We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. So the LA Rams will be the number two seed. They finish 13 and 3, a 13 win season for the third time in franchise history. I've been dreaming this my whole life. They still have you. Yeah. It's time to put in the work. Yeah. Every man go dominate. Right, Offense, defense, special team. Let's go. What are we talking about? Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl. Hey, 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 welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Paul for our midweek podcast. And I'm all alone. All alone. Makes me sad. Now, the reason why I'm alone this weekend, or this week, sorry, this midweek podcast, the reason why I'm alone this Wednesday night is, well, I'm in New York City for a teaching seminar. A week long, I get to learn all about American capitalism, and that also means I'm away from all my wonderful equipment at home. So it's just me and you 
and an opportunity really for us to finish up the tour around the league. We're almost done. Got a few more interviews to go, different teams to look at. And tonight we have a couple of great ones. Before we do get there though, I want to just say, hey, we're sponsored here. Our episode is sponsored by Jim Hawk and his book Hollywood's team. We also remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Apple Music. Listen, we have a contest going right now. It's really easy. A five-star review on Apple Music gets you entered for a $75 gift to NFLshop.com. And here's how it works. Go to Apple Music. Leave that review. Send us an email then to ramstop1945 at gmail.com with a copy of your entry so we know who to reward because sometimes you'll have different logins and we'll also read your feedback on the show. All right. So that's been going on for a little while now, a hot while since the beginning of the summer. And we really appreciate you doing that. If you're not quite ready to give us that five star review, also email us and give us some feedback. We, we listen to your feedback. It, it means a lot to me when you communicate with us and let us know what you think of the show, good or bad, because no one's perfect. And we, we, we don't have a perfect show. We wish we did. So it's an opportunity to help us make the show better. Again, that's Rams Top 1945 at gmail.com. Okay, it's coming up real quick. Just a couple notes here. The pool party for Rams Uncensored. So that is coming up in, I think it's 10 days. 10 days. Reach out to Tommy Avance. His Twitter is RamTommyInLA. And, or, and really anybody on the Rams Uncensored team, they can get you some information. Also, they have t-shirts for sale. 20 bucks for all shirts up to extra large. 2X and above is 22 You do have to pay for shipping. They're nice shirts. I like them. I need to get one. Also, don't forget our fundraiser for Dom Samara. You can get more information about that on our Twitter page. I don't want to keep he just throwing his story at you. If you want to give, if you want to help us out, help a, a rambly member out, a person who can really use it and yeah, basically can help give him his life back. So I don't need to say anything more than that. I really don't. He's a good guy. He deserves a little bit of help. At least I think he does. Check it out. All right. So first things first. Our interview with Chicago Audible's Brandon Hazley is he's a return visitor to our show. Good guy. Has lots of information about the Bears, one of our opponents this year. And it's really interesting to see where he thinks his team is going next. Check it out. Here's Brandon Hazlett from the Chicago Audible. All right, folks. I am here with Brandon Hazlett from the Chicago Audible, our resident Bears expert. We have him here unless he ditches us. So, Brandon, how you doing? Doing real good, you know. Can't can't complain. A pair is in the work truck uh, since the last time we talked, so all all's good. I'm giving you some crap because last time you were come on and and Will had to bail you out a little bit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so here we go. Many analysts, myself included, we believe the Bears will be better this last year. Well, they surprised everyone and won the division. What happened? Evaluate the 2018 Bears. A lot of it came down to coaching and culture. Uh, Maggie came in, a young guy. He really established uh, this winning culture and the, what it really feels like to want to be able to win and continue when he created, you know, club dough. I'm sure that a lot of people have heard. I don't know about everybody, but uh, where they, you know, they dance around and celebrate, and it's like the most exclusive club in Chicago, as I like to call it. Uh, and once you establish that culture, you know, really tell guys, you know, winning's fun. Let's continue to work hard and continue to do what we're doing. They really. Uh, goes the extra mile i mean it's not just talent because uh, the whole coaching staff as a whole was just really really good surprisingly i would you know we weren't sure what to expect from matt nagy mark helfrich in the offense in the first year but once that culture is established that goes a whole long way so do you believe in terms of where the direction this team is going with that coaching staff are you satisfied do you or do you expect a little bit of a backtrack next year 
I don't expect much of a backtrack. Uh, we're actually raising our expectations a little bit. I don't expect them to get 12 wins again. I've got them hovering around the 10-12-win area uh, with a little bit of a tougher schedule because uh, we face the Rams again this year, so that'll be a, an, another interesting showdown. But, um, yeah, I, I expect them to hover around the same amount of wins, uh, but I think the division gets tougher, and when the competition well raises, you got to be able to keep yourself uh, you know, to that same level, and whether or not the Bears can hold on to that is something I'm interested for uh, to see, but I think the coaching staff can hold everybody accountable real well. I, I think every team in your division is better next year, at least on paper. On oh, absolutely. Paper. Absolutely. And that's the tough part. Speaking of people coming along, Mitch Trubisky here. Has he developed enough to lead the team even on base in the defense's offense game? And what are his weaknesses and strengths right now? One of his most glaring weaknesses that we all really took notice of is he's supposed to keep his, I don't say composure, but his mechanics, I uh, guess is the better word, especially when the lights are on. Uh, it's a bigger stage, bigger primetime game. He struggled more in those late night games when everybody's watching. Uh, and I don't know if that's because he's still young and anxious, uh, because under John Fox, you know, his rookie year, he didn't really have much of an offense to really work with, didn't have those expectations. Uh, so then the team does better and he's expected to play better. Uh, and in games where there wasn't as much of that pressure, he played pretty well. And he doesn't have to be an all-star quarterback. Uh, I mean, I expect him to get maybe around you know, a little shy of 30 touchdowns, and I expected the interceptions to stay about the same and continue to be a pass-happy offense, especially now that Jordan Howard has found his way out. Uh, but he's going to pass the ball a lot more, so he's going to have a lot more of these opportunities to show his growth and his aggressiveness, his downfield accuracy, which is something that a lot of people criticize him for, but he got so much better as the year went on, and you can see that in some of the, the downfield plays, uh, the longer touchdowns he throws. He's able to hit them right where uh, they need to be. So a lot of downfield accuracy issues last year, but they continued to get better as the year went on, and I think he's going to continue to improve. And you know, if he doesn't improve you know, drastically, like some people say, uh, quarterbacks take that year-two leap especially in the offense, that's not really a requirement for the Bears to win because they've surrounded them with so many playmakers. As long as you can get the ball there, you guys can uh, do their thing, be able to get open and make some plays. So what did the Bears do in free agency to improve, and what were the best and maybe worst decisions overall in free agency? Uh, frankly, I think one of the worst ones, in my opinion, was letting go of Adrian Amos. So when we seen how much he was paid, uh, that was actually kind of a smart move to let him go because HaHa Clinton Dix, the guy that they brought in to replace him out of free agency, uh, he's not a a bad substitution. Uh, he's actually probably going to fit better in Chuck Pagano's system because he plays a little bit more aggressive. Uh, Clinton Dix has more career interceptions, so he's going to be more likely to go up and, and get the ball, uh, go and be more aggressive in, in jumping routes. Uh, so I, that, that kind of plays itself out, but I think a big uh, under-the-radar addition is Cordero Patterson because uh, the Bears' third phase last year is what hurt them a lot, and they signed uh, Patterson to a bigger deal. Uh, and his, primarily, his primary role is going to be kick returner. He took one back against the Bears last year uh, when New England came to town. So I think that him really being there to help that third phase and be able to keep the Bears in games, that's a lost game, uh, some games for the Bears last year. And that, and we've still got a kicker carousel going on. Uh, so I really think that the addition of the third phase uh, is going to be uh, something to keep an eye on. All right, so their draft. How did the Bears do the draft overall? I thought it was very interesting to watch them kind of maneuver around a little bit and do what they do. Did the Bears fill in holes necessary to help them take the next step, maybe even get the Super Bowl? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Ron Pace stuck to his guns, took the best player available. 
Uh, he traded up to get the best running back in the draft in the third round uh, in David Montgomery. So I think that that's the one playmaker that's really going to help the Bears uh, in the long, long term here is because he brings a different element that Jordan Howard didn't bring. He's able to escape more tackles. He's a little bit quicker than Jordan Howard is. He's got the hands out of the backfield, like I said. So that's the biggest addition uh, that the offense needs as far as players go. As far as defense, uh, a lot of us at the podcast were really disappointed that didn't add depth at pass rusher. Because outside of Cleveland and Leonard Floyd, they resigned Aaron this offseason as well. But he's one that in throughout his career has shown that he can't really stay all that healthy. Uh, so after Cleveland and Leonard Floyd, the rotation gets really thin, and that's one area we thought they'd address. But it sounds like Matt Nagy and Ch- uh, Coach Chuck Pagano are, are satisfied with where the defense is at. And there's enough talent there to make up for the lack of that. Uh, but, man, if one guy goes down, it's going to be an interesting ride at that outside linebacker. So I, I think that they've done enough to improve. I don't know about necessarily the Super Bowl quite yet. Right now, where do you rank the Bears in the NFC North entering 2019? And how many wins do you see in their schedule? Mm, that's tough. Because the Vikings have improved a lot in the draft. They addressed a lot of their positions in need. And I think they're going to be another tough uh, opponent this year. Uh, I don't necessarily like Green Bay. They did add a lot of talent, uh, but I'm not a fan of their coach. I think Lafer is more of a, a hockey name than a, than a coaching name. And, you know, his offensive stats with the Titans weren't necessarily all that, you know, blow you away type, like bottom of the bottom half of the league type of stats, so I'm not really too concerned there, and the Lions will do what Detroit like to do, and that's going to screw things up. Uh, so I, I I still think that the Bears can take first in the NFC North, absolutely. Definitely possible. Uh, I think we have still one of the most talented rosters in the North. Uh, I, like I said earlier, I'm going to hover around the 10 to 12 win range. I, they're not going to win as many this year. I think we cap them at 12. I think 10 is realistic, so I'll stick with 10, and I think that wins the division this year. You don't like LaFleur? A French name? Are you against the French? <laughs> no, I'm not against the French. I just think you should stick to hockey, that's all. <laughs> no, my, my issues with LaFleur is, hey, he was, he was with us for a while. A hot minute, really. A hot minute. And he didn't call the plays here. He goes to Tennessee, runs an offense for one year. They go 9-7. and seven. The offense is nothing. Okay, and granted, they had right. injuries there. And now he's the head coach in Green Bay. I th- people keep looking for the next McVay, and I don't see... And I think that's what this is. I think it's a reach. There's only going to be one McVay. It's like there's only one Belichick. There's only one of this guy, and you're trying to copy off of... Bel- McVay's his own guy. And right. another thing, McVay, when he came into the Rams, he built a staff of veterans around him who are experienced. What's the floor doing up there to help bring the Packers back to the Bears. That's what I'm wondering. And then flipping it to you, didn't the Bears do the same thing? You get your new head coach, and he, what he does is he brings solid, experienced assistants around him, right? That's what he did. Yeah, absolutely. And he even brought back uh, Brad Childress again as an offensive consultant this year. Last year he was a some sort of supervisor and left to be part of the uh, AAF, I believe, and then that folded. So now he's back in Chicago. Uh to help help Matt Nagy continue to learn and build this offense because they all come from the same coaching tree uh, relatively. I think Brad Childress is lead in there with Andy Reid somewhere. Uh, so I, I he did that, and then brought in Chuck Pagano, another um, experienced coach. He was a head coach with the Colts, obviously, left for a year, 
his defensive coordinator back where his, his strong suit is because he had some really good years in Baltimore there with uh, Ray Lewis and Enrique's uh, defensive coordinator there. I think he was there when Terrell Suggs had his MVP type year. I don't remember if he won MVP or not, but it was definitely close in that caliber the one year that Chuck Pagano was there coaching him for that. So there's a lot of good things. Pagano's definitely an aggressive coach, so we'll see more blitzes, but that's also going to lead some sacrifices in coverage. All right, man. I guess we'll be talking again come our re- or, uh, beginning of the year roundtable again. Hopefully, I don't finish in last place on my own podcast again or close to. I don't. <laughs> my gosh, I can't believe that. So I'll be talking to you then. And of course, the Bears travel to LA this year. We don't get to have. We don't have to worry about cold weather. Don't worry about the snow. You know, none of that stuff. So we'll see how the Rams can hold up against that defense in fair weather conditions. Can you let people know where to find you and where to find the Chicago Audible? Yeah, you can find us at chicagoaudible.com. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, Google Play Music, anywhere that you really listen to your podcast. We are there somewhere. Just search Chicago Audible. Uh, You can find everything also at the website that I mentioned before. Awesome. Dude, thanks so much for taking time to visit today. I really appreciate it, and we'll be in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully I uh, wasn't too late. (laughs) Have a good one. So my thoughts on the Bears are this. I think that Mitch Trubisky is going to be one year better. I think that with everything that's gone on within that team, in terms of the roster building, they're going to be a year better. I do not know the effects of losing their defensive coordinator, Denver, though. I don't know how that's going to affect them. I don't know how Minnesota coming back off a down year. And, you know, Green Bay is going to be better. They really improved their roster. I have to believe they'll be better than what they were. And even Detroit's better. That division is getting better, period. So I don't know how Chicago holds up under, to me, tougher circumstances. They're not going to sneak up on anybody this year. They're really not. So who knows? I'm going to say they're probably still favorites to win the division, but watch out for the Packers and don't sleep on the Vikings or Lions. Okay, so most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the Rams' history with a personal touch, check out Jim Hawks Hall with seeing great glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out some story of his father and team he played for an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Rebound players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Search, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spin the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawks' book online at Hollywood's team and on Twitter at Hollywood's team. Also, the book comes out on paperback this September 6th. You can also find a hardback and electronic form at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Folks, it's a really good book. We've been talking about it for over a year now. And you have an opportunity here also if you were wanting to help folks get out of the gang life and turn their lives around. You can do it by buying this book. Proceeds go to Homeboy Industries. That's their job. That's their mission is to help people turn their lives around and become productive members of society. Check it out. Hollywood Teen Grit Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. All right. So our second entry in tour in the league this week goes all the way out to another one of our favorites, Trevor Sykema. From the Pewter Report, also with the Draft Network, gives us a solid look at the 2019 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're a team, believe it or not, that is getting better. Here's a look. Here's Trevor Sekima. All right, folks, I'm here with Trevor Sekima from the Pewter Report, among other places, including the Draft Network. He has been on the ball this year, but we're here to talk about the Buccaneers for this interview. Trevor, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. It's good to talk to you again. Well, it's been a while. It's been a year. 
And last time we talked, we we you know we talked a little bit about the direction of the Buccaneers. You seemed like you thought maybe they're on the right path, but you weren't too sure. Now looking back at the 2018 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, how do you really evaluate them? What went wrong, and well, did anything go right? Yeah, I think, boy, the things that went right, they were in a lot of close games. I thought. But what really went wrong is what I feared kind of going into the season. And that is this team had a lot of talent, albeit most of it on the offensive side of the ball. The defense was certainly lacking in talent. We saw that a little bit back in 2018, but uh, 2017 as well. But the problem kind of came around with coaching, really execution, getting the most out of that talent. And that was something that the Bucks really struggled to do throughout all 2018 and when it came to hey the offense could continue to score enough points to keep them in games for the most part when it came down to that crunch time really getting the most out of the players those x-factor plays those x-factor execution moments the Bucks just didn't have it they really were had the short end of the stick on a lot of them and sometimes with close games it's kind of a flip of the coin right you just go ah man got a little unlucky the other team just kind of executed down the stretch a little bit better than we did for the Bucks, it just kept happening. And after a while, you can't go, ah, we just got unlucky. You kind of got to look in the mirror and be like, okay, why aren't we getting this stuff done? Ultimately, they decided that it was because of the coaching staff that things were not getting done the way they needed to get done. And I think that that was the right assessment. Um, I think Dirk Cutter is a good coach. I think he's a good offense coordinator. But head coach, it, just, it was too much for him. For whatever reason in Tampa Bay, I think he – he had to lean on other coaches on his staff that proved to not be so great, mainly Mike Smith, the defensive coordinator. And it's hard to blame him, right? I mean, like these guys were friends going all the way back to their days with the Jacksonville Jaguars, then with the Atlanta Falcons, then obviously with their stints in Tampa Bay. And so longstanding history, and he trusted Mike Smith a lot, came out to be too much. That defense couldn't stop anybody, and Jameis Winston was erratic. We couldn't really see the head coach get him under control when it came to even on-the-field stuff. And so... That's kind of what happened to the Buccaneers. And so it's interesting coming in with Bruce Arians now as a head coach. Bruce Arians is like, I've never taken over a team with this much talent. Again, he means offensive side of the football. But there's some hope still going into 2019. How much hope? You know, I guess that's that's for every person to decide. Well, in the end, how exactly did Dirk Coder fail in Tampa Bay? Yeah, I ultimately think it was just, it goes back to the reason why he was hired. The reason why they picked Dirk Cutter, a first-time head coach, so late in his coaching career is because that first year that he had with Jameis Winston, that Jameis Winston did really well. And they didn't want to mess up the chemistry between offensive mind and young quarterback. They never wanted to take a step back. They didn't want to risk taking... Um, a, a longer route to Jameis Winston's success and ultimately solidifying him as the franchise quarterback. So they got Dirk Cutter from offensive coordinator to head coach for that reason. They wanted the continuity. They wanted Jameis to continue to progress. Problem is, he didn't progress. I think Jameis got a little bit better, but not in the areas where he really needed to in order to win football games. And so I think the demise of Cutter was that he ultimately could not elevate the rest of the team. But most importantly, Jameis Winston did not take that true next step to where we all watched him play and went, he's made it. They thought that's what was going to happen under Dirk Cutter, and it just didn't. And if that's the reason why he was hired and they weren't winning football games and Jameis Winston wasn't even getting better, that's where they realized, hey, this is kind of the end of the road for him as head coach. What do you believe Bruce Arians will bring to the table to help turn this franchise around? And how do you feel about staffing decisions? 
the the thing that he's bringing the most experience i mean uh, he has been a winner at a lot of different levels certainly a super bowl champion when he was with the pittsburgh steelers as the coordinator there dealing with a pretty solid organization learning how things go and having a lot of success then he has that one year stint in indianapolis where he took a team with some really unfortunate circumstances totally turned it around made him a playoff team i mean that was impressive enough then he goes to arizona and I think it was 11 and five his first year as a head coach in Arizona. And it was 13 and three the year after that. I mean, he had a lot of success initially. And I think that's where the big draw is from Arians going to this Tampa Bay team is that they're trying to get the most out of their talent right now. They're not looking for this full rebuild head coach. They want to turn around quick and they think that they have the pieces to do it. So I think experience, knowing how to handle things and knowing how to win quickly is a big area of why they hired Bruce Arians over some potential other coaching camps. To the rest of the staff, man, you know, you're talking to somebody who's watched a lot of inexperienced coaching staffs come through with the Buccaneers. I mean, Raheem Morris was such a young head coach when he took over for John Gruden back in 2009 that the staff he put around him was really it was a lot of uh, player coaches, guys that didn't have a lot of discipline, and that really showed, and the team really unraveled pretty quickly. Greg Schiano was after that. He was a disciplined guy coming from Rutgers, brought his kind of coaching style, but it was a college coaching style. So again, not a lot of NFL experience. Lovey Smith then, they tried to go on the full other end of the spectrum. He had NFL experience, but it was too old school. He couldn't adapt to the modern NFL. And then Dirk Cutter, just we kind of figured out, hey, he's got some smart ideas, just really couldn't put it all together. I even didn't really hate his staff outside of you know Mike Smith being probably the worst defense coordinator in football over the last two years. But other than that, I think the staff around him was okay. Just wasn't enough to get it done. This staff that Bruce Arians has, has, has brought in, I mean, You've got so much head coaching and NFL experience in these rooms. And even more than that, a lot of these guys have coached with Arians before. So all of that chemistry of how to bounce, what players work where, the kind of guys we're drafting, the kind of guys that we want to bring into free agency, how we're going to coach them, all of that continuity is, in theory, already there. So I think that's the most encouraging part for Bucks fans is that they don't have to go through this giant head coaching learning curve because nobody ever wants that you can have rookie learning curves from corners or quarterbacks or wide receivers or offensive linemen you don't want that in your head coach and so i think for the first time in a long time you're seeing the buccaneers in a good situation where they're they have a head coach who really knows what, he, what he's doing what were the best and maybe even most questionable moves made by the bucks in free agency <sighs> they just didn't really have a lot of money in free agency and i think that was a frustrating part for Tampa fans is that they looked at this roster, they went, okay, this went, this team went five and eleven last year. Let's bring in some splash free agents. Like, all right, with what money, right? I mean, they the, the problem is that they lost guys uh, more than they gained. They lost Quan Alexander. They lost Adam Humphreys. Those are pretty key pieces. They lost Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, he went to he went to Miami to be the quarterback there before the Josh Rosen thing. So they had a lot more losses than they had additions. Their big splash in free agency was re-signing one of their own guys in Donovan Smith, and some fans would tell you they didn't want that anyways. They had some free agents that they brought in. I mean, Shaq Barrett, I think, is the highlight guy. He's hopefully the pass rusher that's going to come in, be able to get him a little bit of a splash there. Dion Buchanan, linebacker, is familiar with Todd Bowles' system. He's familiar with Bruce Arians. Andre Ellington's the same way. He's a former Arians guy. But it was just a lot of really little additions in free agency. And the problem was that the Bucks just didn't have the money. Their money is tied up in other talented players. They just have to make the most of it. So a lot of Bucks fans were kind of disappointed at the lack of splash that they made during the free agency period. But they just didn't have the money. 
they've already got the money tied up in guys that they think are going to be good and frankly are good that they just haven't put it all together to turn into a winning football team yet. So if you don't have money to sign free agents, then you have to make it right in the draft. Yeah. So did they? What were their best and worst picks of the draft, and how do you evaluate it overall? I think that the Devin White pick at the top at number five, there's so many layers that go into it. I think Devin White's a really good football player. But again, you know, how much do you value linebacker? Do you value him enough to take him at five? In a vacuum, I tell you no. I'm not really looking to take a linebacker in the top five. However, for the Buccaneers, especially looking at Todd Bowles bringing in more of a multiple front and a 3-4 defensive scheme, playing a lot more linebackers on the field, You've got to have the guys to get it done. Not only the guys, the bodies, but the type of players, the guys who are attacking style, coming downhill, guys who get blitz up the A-gap. That's what Devin White is. So I think he was a really good pick for exactly what they need, even if I do think drafting a linebacker at five was a little bit of an overdraft. Or, like I said, in a vacuum, in theory, you're trying to not do that too much. But in this case, I think it was the right pick for him. I like the Sean Murphy bunting pick as well. But then, man, they went three defensive backs in a row. And I think that tells you enough of what Bruce Arians really thought of this cornerback group, uh, that they weren't good (laughs) before the draft. And so they invest some heavy draft capital in the defensive back category. So you got to think there's going to be a lot of turnover in terms of starting reps going on there. Anthony Nelson in the fourth round, not a big fan of his, but I get it. I understand what they're doing. They're trying to get these longer, bigger guys. That's definitely... Anthony is mantra and his skill set, what he can do. He's a bigger and longer player that you can fit inside and out in a 3-4 scheme. They ended up picking a kicker in the fifth round, which, man, Bucks fans are, <laughs> I'm sure, rolling their eyes when they saw something like that happen. And, I, you know, I kind of was too because I'm never really a big fan of ki- picking kickers before like the sixth or seventh round really at all. I know it was a fifth round, but, but here's the thing. Tampa's kicking situation has been so dysfunctional for years. If this is the guy that finally gets it done, so what? It's a fifth-round pick. I'm fine with it because they absolutely have to find some continuity and some consistency in the kicking game. So that was that situation there. Scotty Miller, they're hoping, is kind of an Adam Humphreys type, but I don't think he's really the Adam Humphreys caliber, and then Terry Brecker was kind of a flyer. So really interesting draft for the Buccaneers. And everybody who asks me, hey, what do you think of the Bucs draft? I always have to say... Man, I just hope this coaching staff really knows what they're doing because it was not the kind of draft that I thought the Buccaneers were going to do, but it's the one that ended up coming out to them, and they seemed really pleased with a lot of the guys that they were able to draft. So this must have been pretty close to the plan all along. They've just got to implement it and make sure that these rookies can kind of hit the ground running. All right, so this is where we come to the head here. Okay, Where do you rank the Bucs right now in the NFC South, and how many wins do you see in their schedule? The schedule part's really tough because that schedule is, and I said this when it came out, unprecedentedly brutal. The fact that they have them away from home for seven straight weeks in the middle of the season is unbelievable because that includes a trip to LA, a trip to Seattle, and a trip to London. And the London game is what screws them over because London technically counts as a home game. But they also start the season with two games in four days and week two is a Thursday night football game in Carolina against a divisional opponent. It's crazy how this ended up uh, happening with the schedule. Vegas has them, I think it's six or six and a half wins. I still think they get more than that. I think they get about seven, seven and nine would be the record that I would say. Eight and eight would be a really good year for Bruce Arians. And then in terms of the NFC South, man, this is such a tough division to predict because I still think the Saints are going to be king. I really do. I think that Drew's probably got one really good year left. I think he'll probably play two more years. 
but I do think he's got one really good year left. I think Atlanta's going to bounce back. Their bad year was unlucky. They had a lot of unlucky injuries. But I do think that Carolina takes a step back. I do. I thought that last year, and I kind of got proven wrong for certainly when they were 6-2. and two, I had a lot of Carolina fans who were saying, hey, remember when he said the Panthers were bad? But that kind of came around, and uh, Carolina wasn't so hot to end the season. So that all depends on kind of Cam Newton's shoulder. But I ultimately think that the Bucks are still fighting for that third or fourth spot in the NFC South. I don't think it's their time quite yet to take that leap into the second or competing for that top of the division. I think that would really come next year uh, with Jameis Winston being under the system. They hope being under the system for a year, improving and becoming that guy to really contend for a division title in the playoffs. You know, it really blows my mind seven weeks away from home. It's crazy, man. I couldn't believe it when I was looking at that schedule. And they even had the the schedule maker, like one of the people who was making the schedule in the NFL they had him on, oh, I can't remember what it was, NFL Network or ESPN, something like that. And he was like, yeah, I, I wish we could go back and probably take another crack at that Tampa schedule. Because even they realized once they released it, oh, no, what have we done to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And so it's going to be a tough year. I understand why Vegas only has them at six wins, even though they got a new coach. And that was only one win better than last year. It's going to be tough sledding for them. But I'll still say seven and nine. All right. Trevor, can you let people know where they can find you? Because you're all over the place, and you, you do good work. So let them know where they can find you. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Um, anybody who wants to find all my work, I'm on Twitter all the time, at Tampa Bay Trey, T-R-E at the end. And then PewterReport.com is where I give all my buck stuff, hopefully bouncing around with those guys for another season. And then the DraftNetwork.com is where I do all my other draft stuff, along with a staff of really, really good NFL draft writers. So we're covering college football in the NFL landscape 365. So if you're into that kind of stuff, DraftNetwork.com. All right, Trevor, thanks so much for coming on. I guess we'll be talking to you in a few months when the Rams play the Bucks. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Anytime. All right, take care, man. All right, so the Rams got the Buccaneers again this year at home. I can tell you this, don't sleep on Tampa Bay. They've had talent there for a while. It's taking them time. It's taking them some time to put it together, but don't sleep on them. They're going to be a problem for some teams. They were at times last year for teams. Don't sleep on them, especially the Rams. They, that's a trap game. Honestly, that Tampa Bay game is a major trap game. It should be an easy W, talent-wise, just where these teams are. But there's enough talent in Tampa Bay to cause problems, and they're just going to get better. All right, so folks, we are looking for sponsors for the 2019 season. Now, here's the deal. Our rates adjust for advertising as viewership goes up, or listenership, sorry, goes up. Right now, we are just getting ready to start the new cycle. Our summer numbers are pretty good now, but come when the season starts, they blow up. So if you want to lock in a rate to advertise with us, go now. Get a hold of me at ramstalk1945gmail.com, or you can leave a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. It explains how everything works, how uh, you can learn more about our shows, the people involved with them. You can also see our numbers directly. So check that out if you are interested. We would really appreciate the support. Also, we are still working on getting Patreon, so I'm behind on that one. It's been a pretty busy summer. Okay, with that said, it is time for us to go. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash RamsTalk. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. Don't forget us on Apple Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, all those places. And, of course, IEB Radio plays our shows on Sundays and Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. So for the entire Rams Talk team, this is Derek C. Apollo saying take it easy. We'll see you Sunday with a look at the tight ends. Have a great one.
can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.